hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to the Daily Evolver. Today, in honor of Valentine's Day, I am going to focus on the affairs of the heart. And I am going to share a really interesting conversation that I had with Dr. Tom Habib, who's been on the Daily Evolver a couple times. And he is an integrally inspired clinical psychologist specializing in couples therapy. He's been doing it for a long time. And he has mapped what he calls the couple's line of development, which describes the predictable stages of growth that a couple can go through and also where they can get stalled. So just to briefly walk up his model, the adventure of love generally starts with this first stage, safety and attraction, which is a stage of sexual chemistry, this illusion that I finally found the person who's going to complete me. And, you know, that sort of early love. And a lot of people get stuck there and they do it relationship after relationship, and they don't really want to move on beyond that because it's pretty intoxicating. The second stage is the stage that he calls the, the roles stage. And that is where a couple becomes committed to each other and they seek to build a life together and they sort of map out the roles. And generally, traditionally, the roles are the Male is the breadwinner, female in the house and children and mother and father. And, and that is a stage that couples, healthy couples go, go through. And then there's the third stage, once the roles are well-established, where we move into what Tom calls the relational stage. And this is the stage of partnership that is based on flexible roles and mutual respect. And this is analogous to the green stage of development. And a lot of people listening to this podcast are at a in a relationship that at, at that stage, or at least we have you know our head up in it, or maybe we're waist deep in it, or whatever. But this is a place where a lot is happening for people at, at sort of the sort of leading edge of development, where we're moving uh, out of green and we want to move into uh, the next stage, which is what he calls the first love stage. That's the fourth stage, but it's called first love. And this corresponds with integral development and is created by having an active appreciation for one's partner and the intentional development of a we space where more aspects of both partners is embraced. And so there's that. And then there's spiritual love where we grow beyond personal identification and find the eternal beloved. And I don't know about that one. Working on it. have had glimpses. So again, most of us have a big part of our, you know, developmental probability cloud hovering around this green, relational, equality, kind of flexible stage. And today, Tom is going to talk about how to make that stage really work for you. Today, we're going to look at the relational stage. That's what we're working on. We're going to do a deep dive here, and we're going to show the lattice upon which creates the circuitry that can handle that level of intensity that's going to arise. I want to build a concept called regression. So you can think of regression and intimacy as baby talk, certain types of cuddling, different levels of vulnerability, perhaps with a sense of urgency, if you know, you're panicking a little bit, and any, other, any way or the other, an immediate need for attention. So Regressions a trend to a younger state and feeling to re-experience one's youngest self, and Jung wrote this in an attempt to get it something necessary. So like anything, there's good regression and there's really bad regression that I'm, I'm going to show. So as we just mentioned, regression is what uniquely characterizes intimacy. The larger world doesn't want to deal with that level of yourself. 
You only get to do limited regression with your friendships, for example, in the expression certainly of sexual feelings, but even disappointment and anger, you know, you'll yell at Chuck a lot quicker than you would do somebody else in life. Mm -hmm. Do you find that true, Jeff? Yeah, we don't do a lot of yelling, I got to say, but uh, uh, there's a level of intimacy that I have with Chuck that is even close to anything that I have with other people. So, right. yeah. But even the irritability will come out. Quickly. Irritability we do, you know. Right. We all do. And yeah. I mean, that's part of the gift of the intimacy is we get to regress into that and experience ourselves more whole, not necessarily always our higher self, as we've said before. All right. So what we're doing here is we're regressing and you're saying that this is a regression is a sort of a gift of intimacy. It absolutely is. It makes us healthy. Regression and dependency go hand in hand. Right. So when we're regressing, we're going back to baby talk. We're going back to cuddling. We're going back to uh, even this ugly stuff part the the you know the irritability and anger and you know that kind of stuff the container of our intimacy is really the only place uh, or it's the deepest place that we can have for these earlier basically our earlier stages absolutely that's why it's so important dependency goes hand in hand with regression and we're going to really look at dependency today do you do it well or do you not do it well uh, not doing it well is anger. Doing it well is identifying that subtle feeling, being able to hold that place uh, without expressing anger. So I, I want to show you, this is not good regression. And for those of you on audio right now, it's a picture of a woman running over her husband with a car. And this was an article out of the Associated Press. Angry wife runs down husband after church. He looked at another woman in church, and she decided to run him over in the church parking lot. That's not good regression. Right. I always wonder what the pastor said the next week. <laughs> I know, really. How do you come back from that? <laughs> so, moving along to build this thought. When one regresses, it's initiated with a more or less reasonable expectation that your intimate partner will respond accordingly. Yep. The intensity of this, this the method has to be down to contain this. Um, so it is how these needs and desires are enacted in the context of vulnerability and perceived danger that creates problems, Susan Johnson said. When you think about uh, what she said here, you can see that she's not, she doesn't have a line of development. She's assuming the vulnerability is the same for all of us. And you and I know when you certainly get to the relational stage or to first love, it's not as dangerous. There's an interior familiarity going on. Right. You self-soothe that I can show up in a transparency. And I'm enjoying it with that person. Right. But a lot of people, you know, especially in my area, they're theorizing without the verticality of a developmental level. Right. This is just one small quote showing the limitation of doing such thing. Right. So can I move on? Well, actually, Tom, could you just sum up what that was? Um, I'm still not sure I get it. She, what, what she's saying versus what you're saying. Um, okay. It, it's not that. Let me bring that back up so okay. people watching can see it. <clears throat> she's saying when somebody shows vulnerability, how it's enacted, how it shows up between a couple. Mm -hmm. You know, are they moaning when you go into that space? Are they responding with something as harsh as she's not again? Or does the person show up empathically doing uh, reflective listening, agreeing, keeping their own stuff out of that moment? Mm -hmm. You know, is there an enactment that creates a container upon which a person can show up with transparency and vulnerability? You know, what, what you're making me think about is, okay, so we have this 
uh, situation here where we want to be able to regress because what a wonderful thing that is. And, and yet we, we really just don't want to wallow in that, or we don't want to give a green light to every aspect of that, you know, the woman hitting her husband with the car for sure. But also there's, there's a red flag that arises for me that I'm going to enable somebody's worst habits. If I am always available or how we calibrate with each other, uh, how we, how much we're willing to take, how much we're willing to give, uh, that's, it's a two way street, right, Tom? You know, I guess. Absolutely. But you're hitting a couple points we're going to talk about uh, in a moment. One is the quality of the regression. Remember we said anger is regression, but it's not qualitatively that helpful. Right. Okay, got it. Can I move a little bit? Yeah, you bet. So, some questions I want to ponder at this point when we're talking about regression. Regression to get our dependency needs met. We look at who regresses when in the the relationship. What's the quality of the regression? Now, we just said that. Anger is not a qualitative regression. Is it reciprocal? Can both members of the dyad of the relationship regress? Some relationships, you get one person that can't do it at all. They're doing it vicariously with their spouse. How does the couple signal the exchange of opportunity to regress? This is crucial because we don't want them to regress together. That's a mess. (laughs) Good point. I got to say, just as as you're sort of opening this up to me, I appreciate that you're giving some context and container and instructions in how to do this, Uh, starting with the fact that this is a marker of an intimate relationship. I hadn't really thought about it that way. And, and to be able to actually regress. I mean, I talk a lot about how at Integral, we want to reintegrate the earlier stages. Mm-hmm. I mean, good Lord, what an amazing you know, vehicle for doing this with an intimate partner who you have a, you know, a deal and you're, you get good at facilitating this with each other. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you see that subtlety because... There's an academic paper people can go on drtomhabib.com to read on this issue specifically. Um, and when, when I was doing the research on that, you know, Freud always characterized regression as pathological, um, you know, that it meant you were decompensating into, a, uh, you know, pathology. But it was Jung and a, a few other writers that said it isn't always pathological. But it's remarkable how little of attention this has been given. But you can see, as you just said, Jeff, it's integral that kind of pulls the holism of it. It's not transcend and exclude. It's transcend and include as usual. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. To keep going. Do they both regress at the same moment, we said, which we don't want? Is dependency avoided by either person? And that happens quite a bit. What is the quality of the nurturance when the other partner is regressing? And I think you get a feel for where I'm headed now. So what I want to do from here, I want to uh, set this up like I'm really working with a couple in therapy. I'm going to do a heterosexual relationship. It applies to everyone. And I'm going to have the man on the left side and the woman on the right side. And they're going to be on one column. There's going to be an A on top, a C on bottom. That's all it is. On the right side, an A on top and a C on bottom. So just visualize that kind of quadrant. And I'm going to draw lines between it. And I'll make enough reference so you can visualize it as we go along. And if I don't, Jeff, help me uh, with it. Will do. So we start life so dependent when we're born and we're young. We don't even know we're dependent. When we need something, uh, what do we do? We scream. From our perspective, we had a need and the need is met. From mom's perspective, it's two o'clock in the morning. She elbowed dad, asked him to get out of bed. He said, no way. She muttered unsavory things uh, under her breath as she walked down the hallway. 
stuck her fingers in the diaper, said not wet, checked the clothing, not hot, stuck a bottle in their mouth, hungry. Doesn't look very magical to me, but that's important that we state that. So remember the dependency? I want to talk about dependency is C, C for child. So I just put a C up on the uh, screen on the left side in the bottom. I'm only using that word descriptively. Uh, remember, it's transcend and include. This is what you get to do in intimacy. But part of raising a child is getting them to be able to take increase in responsibility, to push their immediate needs aside. Like if, if, if I was really impulsive, I'd eat pizza every night of the week. But since I have other goals in life, I don't do that. And so all along the way, when we're being raised developmentally, we're learning how to delay gratification, how to be there for other people, how to set long-term goals, manage anxiety. When we have that online, we're A. Now, I just dropped an A in. That's the adult. You have a sense of that. As some of our pre previous discussion, we were talking about when we're coming from us C in the relationship and when we're coming more from the adult in the relationship. So now I'm dropping in the right side. We have the two A's on top, male, female, and the two C's on bottom. Does this make sense so far, Jeff? Yeah. So basically what we're doing is we say there's a heterosexual couple, male, female, and they both have an adult and a child. I just made the both C's red. Uh, this is what characterizes intimacy above all else is coping with the intensity of this C. But what am I looking for? So I drew a line between uh, the male C and her A. When he's at C, she needs to be at A because in this relation, this sequence, it's complementarity. She's there for his vulnerability and dependency. And at A, she can only do two things. One is reflectively listen. And number two is to agree to do something he might have asked for. So to reflectively listen means, um, I like this absurd example of it. Uh, if Christine was doing a really bad C. All right, let me get this straight, Christine. You're saying I'm self-centered. It's always about me. I don't consider you. Did I miss anything? Oh, I'm a moron also. Now, I'm being absurd there, but I'm with you. If you, even you're bad, see, I'm hanging in there with you for four minutes to be able to help you get on top of it and feel my presence there. Okay. So I'm looking for that. When he's at C, she needs to be at A. And as you would anticipate, I'm looking for the exact opposite. When she's at C, he's at A. Now I have a line between the two A's. This is when you're on the way to the airport and you're late and there's nothing you can do about it. This is where you get your backs together and you get through those moments. Uh, you've got to be able to be at A to A. Yeah, and, adult, adult to adult. Yeah, because yeah. you got your backs together. If you, if you have children, the children are fighting in the back of the car. One of you touched the other or you're with the relatives and you're kind of signaling each other. We're going to get through this moment. Right. You're, you're both at your strength. And we never want this. Child, child to child. C to C, child to child. There's a line between C and C. Can you visualize what this feels like, Jeff? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's... Um... We all we all have been there, uh, certainly as children, and 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 too often as adults. You know, where you're just in a uh, a pissing match with somebody. We've all been there. It's certainly true. Yeah. When you think of that, the C to C, there's no adults in the room. This is where couples tear their relationship apart. They're both desperate. You know, you never listen to me, and uh. You don't care. It's always about you. You're always attacking me and you don't care about me. I mean, they're in a lot of pain and nobody's there. And perhaps exhaustion will cause them to at least get away from each other, you know, at that point. But this is where people wreck their relationship. Well, yeah. And it could take all kinds of uh, forms. You could have both people screaming. You could have one person screaming and the other person just completely shut down. You can have two people shut down. 
Absolutely. You know, in a way that is just painful, but nothing's moving, nothing's happening. Right. The task of the relationship is always to do this. And there's got to be that flow that we're building in right now. And the flow is that we're flowing between one person being the adult while the other's the child, one vice versa. Yep. Or the other thing we but we also like is the adult to adult. Absolutely. And when when it's necessary, we want adult to adult too. Yeah. And and that's an ongoing thing. When we're in interaction, that has to be readily available. So you can see why I'm creating an argument. This is what stabilizes the relational stage. And without it, you can see the chaos that's going to ensue. Yep. So to move on, I have the AC back up for people. And all I'm showing here is the flow going back and forth and how it can manage regression. And we want to build flexible, complementary relationships. So here I have the AC backup, and I have a line drawn with the male at A and the female at C. Uh, I got a question for you, Jeff. Speculate if the relationship's stuck in this configuration with the man in A and the woman in C. What would you speculate about that relationship? It's not a very happy one, ultimately. No. But why would they, do you have any sense of why they would form this relationship? Well, it's not an, un, it's sort of a standard early stage relationship. The man's in charge and the female should submit to the man. Right. So moving on, this relationship's called rigid because it doesn't flex, complementary because it is, traditional, the very language you used, Jeff. Yep. Uh, rigid, complementary, traditional. I actually developed this before uh, I got into integral. And I was so happy with the alignment. Yeah. And the unconscious collusion here is the male finds comfort in saying to the uh, woman, if you don't make me feel vulnerable and impotent, I won't make you grow up and be strong. It's very traditional and it's what feels comfortable. But in time, he's going to be really disappointed with her even though he fashioned this relationship, if another woman comes along and appeals to his C and says, you poor honey, whoever takes care of you, whoever does anything for you, he's going to be like a bear all over honey because for the first time he's getting a vital need met and then she ends up in my office in absolute crisis. And, you know, the goal becomes, you know, really getting her to get up to A. That becomes my intervention is to get up to A because you can see he's worn out at that level. Even though he was a co-author, unconscious co-author of this, he cannot handle it. Right. So you're, uh, you know, helping the woman to move into her adult role. She's suddenly more attractive. She's going to be able to fill a vital role in him. So likewise. Uh, speculate about if the relationship's stuck in this direction. Any thoughts? Where the female, have... female's the adult and the male's the child? Well, you see it a lot on Judge Judy. <laughs> you know, the, the, these women who are taken over by these men who become dependent on them, and, um, you know, they're looking for a mommy. And that ain't no fun either, o over time, certainly. <laughs> Absolutely. This one is rigid, complementary, non-traditional. I like the languaging of it. I find in practice, this is the professional woman that's battled her way to power and competence and respect. And if she makes the mistake of picking kind of a teddy bear type guy, what initially feels comfortable and attractive, she ends up hating them. It loses that polarity. Uh, that that chemistry that it needs when it's rigid, complementary, non-traditional, because he's just not raising it. So a lot of times I tell these women uh, to to go home and from your best damsel, ask him for something. I'll never forget the woman that said, Doctor, did you call my husband, talk to him? No, I wouldn't do that without your permission. I can't believe it. He's walking around like he's a stud. And I said, well, you did it, didn't you? Yeah. 
So right. it's kind of fun when you start with, playing with her, her moving into the child role. Yep. Yeah. That's what Vulnerable she and, you know, seductive or whatever it might be. Yep. Yeah. So uh, another example of that is uh, a woman, a professional woman I was working with. Um, I gave her the assignment to do a damsel, ask a guy for some help. I always tell them, watch men. They just love that damsel. And so she's on the airline. She's trying to get that bag up in the overhead bin. She turns around and she goes, can you help me with this? And the guy explodes out of his seat to help her. And so she sits down. It was only an hour flight here in California. And she said, I could feel him wanting to get out of his seat the rest of the flight to help uh, me. And of course, we know what that is. When a woman allows us to do that, we feel strong and powerful and competent. But the other thing is, is the feminine reminds us in life what's important, you know, the community, the love, taking care of that. We don't always get that from guys. We get that from the feminine. So when a woman brings that online and, you know, with great intention, it's just such a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I got to say my green alarms are going off. Okay. Because, and, 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 and I think the great intention that you just said is really key here mm-hmm. because, um, you know, there's, and I could just feel there's women out there listening to this say, you want me to be a damsel in distress again after, you know, two millennia of me being stuck in that role? And the answer is yes, actually, because the polarity and the juice is not in the homogenization of both parties. It's in a flexibility and a ability to move around and each take those roles in ways that, you know, are re-enchanting and revivifying. Absolutely. My understanding in early uh, feminism when we actually thought we're going to do androgyny. And my understanding of androgyny was there was going to be no differences between the sexes. It was the woman that first went, yuck, because they couldn't stand those men. Well, I would just testify myself as a a gay guy in a gay relationship, having been in three very significant long-term gay relationships, my third here in its eighth year. And these forces, these energetics, polarities between masculine and feminine, um, are very, very flexible. They're, they're not limited to our gender. Absolutely. And the deeper we get into this, we're going to find more opportunity for deepening it along all that flexibility you just touched upon. I mean, we're just at the beginning of all of this. Yep. So we already did speculate about stuck at sea. And stuck at sea means both people coming from child. Thank you. And that's an absolute disaster. I can hear these people from the parking lot coming to my waiting room. <laughs> I mean, they're just going at it. They're ripping their relationship apart versus stuck at A. Can you envision a relationship stuck at A, Jeff? Absolutely. Uh, that's adult to adult. And, you know, that's probably gets a little, I was going to say flaccid at some point. <laughs> right? It's, absolutely. It's dead. In fact, I only saw in 34 years of practice, I've seen four couples stuck at A. They were both engineers, and the presenting problem was there's no passion in our relationship. Yeah. I mean, it was beautiful. They came in self diagnosed and everything. Uh huh. And yeah. you could feel it. They were so intimidated. By the intensity of C that it was going to destroy their interaction, that they avoided it like a plague. Yeah. Well, um, I, w- I was in a relationship that was wow. adult to adult. And, um, you know, it, it became sexless after five years and went on another five years. It, it fell apart. It's a long story. But um, I found my way to a relationship where I could be a child. Wow. I never thought of that. But between two men, that probably would reoccur more frequently. Yeah, perhaps so. Yeah. The socialization that you would actually get stuck at. Yeah, yeah. because we're, we both have the same socialization. Right. Uh, you know, we're individuals within that, but the, the socialization's the same. Yeah. So I want to add one more concept so we can fill out uh, the relationship diagnostics on it. And it's the issue of power. 
Power in systems theory is the ability to influence who has the greatest influence in the relationship. And it can either be power at C or power at A. Ideally, we want power to be balanced in the relationship. So just a couple examples. I once had a, a, a woman drag her uh, husband in because he got caught looking at erotica online. Now, these were very traditional people, and to her, it was an absolute shock. It obviously told me, as soon as I spoke with her on the phone, she had the power in the relationship. She's the one I had to empathize with, to even get on ground zero with her, you know, and empathize with the feeling of it felt like disloyalty. It might have felt like sin to a traditionalist. And then the other one is uh, presenting problem was a wife lying all the time. But when I looked at it, it was self-preservation that she was so afraid to his reaction. Um, does that give you a sense of what, what I'm talking about in terms of power? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, power in a relationship can be exercised from either the adult or the child. Absolutely. And yeah. that, that's where we're going to. Right. So um, to move on on this. Uh, I'm going to test you, Jeff, to see if you're paying attention. So I have a, a series of things I'm going to read, and I'm going to see if Jeff can get them right. You know, okay. the answers are what they say. Are they at A or C? Okay. So the first one's a woman saying, where were you? Why didn't you call if you knew you weren't going to make the office party? Is she at A or C? I think A. I think she's being an adult. Um, that's wrong. (laughs) She's at C because she's asking for her needs to be met. She's asking, she has a concern. So can you feel that in there? Yeah. So here's his response to that. I was late because of last minute calls at work. You know how bad things are this time of year. Well, I would think that that would be a, um, I don't know. Could, I was so wrong last time. Uh, I would say that that is an adult. Probably not, See, though, right? <laughs> this is C again. The reason is he's he's asking her to understand his problem. I was late because of last minute calls at work. You know how bad things are this time of year. It's not his turn. She's at C. He, he's... He's taking away that opportunity. He needs to focus on her at this point. Okay. Rules is who's ever at C first keeps it until they're done. All right. Does that make sense? Yes. So let's try another one. Okay. You're right. I should have called. Oh, that's an adult. That's A. Because he's focused on her. So let's keep going. I wanted to talk to you uh, about my visit to the doctor's. For my mammogram, this is the woman, obviously. That's an adult. Feel again, Jeff. She's. She, I wanted to talk to you about my visit to the doctors for my mammogram. Yeah. Uh, that is a child. Because Absolutely. She, all right. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, obviously, she's going to be emotional. And if you can get attuned to that, uh, you're going to be in a lot better shape that night. Okay. Sure. I know how you must be feeling. It must be like how I felt waiting for my chest x-ray to come back. Now, where's the focus, Jeff? That's on him. Which puts him at? Child. Child. So can you see how subtle this is? Yeah, I mean, I I guess I'm having to recalibrate what child means because, uh, you know, I've I've sort of been thinking that it meant that it was uh, immature and chaotic. And Mm -hmm. you're have a broader definition, perhaps, of somebody who just has a need that they want met. Absolutely. It could be completely legitimate. Yeah. And so that actually is helpful because it's helping me to re-legitimize the child piece, which is sort of the thesis of this whole episode in a way, is that we, in an intimate relationship, we can be needy. Absolutely. Child is not a pejorative term. It's only descriptive. But reading the subtlety where people are emotionally and responding in a reciprocal way is, uh, you know, is the structure that we're, we're really kind of working on right now. 
So he responds to her visit to the doctors. How did it go? A or C? So she's once again asked, I want to do my, uh, talk to you about my mammogram. And so his answer is, how did it go? Uh, yeah. uh, that's adult, right? He's focused on her. Absolutely. That's safe. <laughs> okay, good. Don't you just hate going to the doctor? If he says that. If he says, don't you just hate going to the doctor? Um, Where's the attention getting drawn? It's, it's to her, but it, but it, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the right thing to say, but I'll, I guess I'll give it an adult. Child. Child, okay. <laughs> um, he's drawing, he's asking for affirmation in that moment. So here's a new set. All right, so this is a new test now. Yep, new test. I think you're one out of six, Jeff. You're going to have to do better, or otherwise I've got to flunk yeah. you in this course. Yeah, I know, no kidding. <laughs> so a new test. Uh, she's saying, you can't get anything right. Are you brain damaged? You screw everything up. Okay, and that that's a C. That's a child. It's not a good quality C. Right. But it's a C. Yep. He's fuming. Don't call me brain damaged. Yeah, that would be a child too. Yeah. So we have a child-child dynamic going here. Yep, very familiar. Yep. Now be careful on this one. This one's in parentheses. His response to her calling him brain damaged, he's silent until the rage is vented. Oh, until her, okay. She, so She yelled, she called him brain damage. Okay. Everything up, and he's just staying silence. All right. He's going to wait until she's done. But his body language. But his body language is he's very angry-faced. So that would be a child. Right. So here the answer is question mark. Because if he's angry uh, or he looks like he's under attack, hiding under the couch, he's at sea. But if he's just holding the space for her and, you know, waiting it out a little bit, then he's at A. That's why I put a question mark on that one. Make sense? Yeah, got it. Calm down. Let me explain. I tried to get Joey to pick up the playroom, but he had a report due tomorrow. All right. I'm learning that that is a child because he's talking about his position, not hers. Yep. As soon as you're talking about yourself, you're not there for your spouse. When Christy and I first started doing the relationship, we'd get into these things and I would see her going to A for me. And I was, I'd end up kind of smiling, seeing the, you know, the structure uh, go into place while I was in C, which was kind of ironic. And it almost became a gift though, because she was consciously going there yeah. uh, for me at that moment. Yeah. Yeah, Chuck and I do that. We're we're always commenting on our relationship and how the dynamics are shifting. We're aware of that. That's and it's great to be in a relationship where that is easily talked about. Do you have some of this uh, flexible Ab- complementary totally. built in? Absolutely, absolutely. The we both move from adult to child uh, very easily, and it's great. How do you signal each other that it's the other person's turn? Oh, maybe it's a touch or a cuddle, uh, you know, that kind of a thing, um, or a joke, but mostly just flows naturally. You know, I'll have a complaint or I'll be in some sort of a state and he'll take an adult role there rather than get into it with me. And, and, I, and I appreciate it a lot. And I tell him I appreciate it. Right. Because you guys clearly have relational, solid, and you're probably good purveyors of first love. Yeah, I think we're we got relational pretty solid. I do. Yeah. yeah. The relational stage. And at first love, you read into subtlety so well that you don't need this conscious structuring as much. It's kind of built in to yeah. the discourse. And you, you're kind of doing it. So you might go, you're coming out of scene, you might go, Well, how do you feel about it? Yeah. And he knows he can weigh in at that point. Totally. It becomes automatic. Yeah. But you can feel a lot of couples struggle Yeah, because they, they form an answer in their mind that's counteracting what their spouse just said, and they're throwing the relationship into CC. Yeah, when I think of my relationships, you know, what Chuck and I have in my early relationships, those that wasn't achievable. Could we have grown into it? Perhaps. Uh, because Chuck and I have the benefit of getting together both in our late 50s. So yeah. we're, we're pretty well cooked. 
And, you know, we don't have a whole lot of baggage. And that has been a nice sort of reset for both of us. And we can enter at a higher vibe. Right. You got to thank all the previous people that helped exactly. develop. Exactly. Exactly. God bless them. <laughs> Deep appreciation <laughs> and love. I love them all. I love all my exes. So I want to do the 12 rules of AC. All right. So this is the 12 rules of adult child dynamics, right? <clears throat> You're calling it AC. Got it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, adult child dynamics. I call it AC. Whoever gets C first keeps it until they're done. Whoever gets the child role first keeps it until they're done with it. Absolutely. When you're at the child, you got to know what you want. Um, most people explode with anger. They feel it viscerally. It's a state experience without stage mediation. Uh, the stage involvement, but it's a very primitive stage. So they've got to go, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? You've got to be able to answer that question before you start talking. Can you feel how much stability that alone creates in the relationship? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes as a child, I just want attention. You know, I just want to be, I just want you to really pay attention to me. Yeah. Listen yeah. to me. Simple companionship. But if you don't know what you want, you're going to go into that interaction and you're both going to end up down here at C to C. Got it. Yeah. So I think that's nice. I mean, as we're sort of civilizing this process of going into conscious regression, where we're, you know, showing all our stuff, uh, a good rule to keep in mind is when you're in the child role, know what it is you want. That. No very, very good. I love that conscious regression. Yep. Okay, so we're working our way through the 12 rules of the adult-child dynamic. Number one, whoever gets child first keeps it until they're done. Number two, when you are at child, know what you want. Do not use your partner as an emotional washboard. And now, rule number three. Anger is always child, but as we've said, it's really poor quality. You've got to be able to identify what you want and uh, wait till the anger fades and you can think again. So this is where the emotional discipline and maturity comes online. There's nothing like intimacy to make you feel like you're under attack when there's a rupture in connection. That's Havel Hendricks' words. There's yeah. a sharing connection. Viscerally, uh, you're going to feel like you're on the Serengeti and your your life's at stake. But in reality, you're not. And just knowing that and getting familiar with that rising and being able to modulate it rather quickly and then look at it as shadow and say, I want to know it. And you recognize what we talked about previously, Jeff. You know. In the higher stages, shadow becomes an opportunity to develop horizontal bandwidth. Whoa, there's more territory here I don't see. Right, exactly. But this couple, you know, when anger flashes, it's going visceral before they can noodle it and, you know, really recognize it for what it is. This is, this is rule number four. Number four. Got it. When at A, you can do two things. Now, I told you early in the podcast what the two things were. Do you remember one of them? Yeah. Um, you can reflectively listen. I wrote them down. Uh, or, <laughs> or agree to do something that the other person asked for. That's exactly right. We can always reflectively listen. And even if they're doing a bad C, I tell couples, you got to spend four minutes on the bad C and hang in there to see if they can calm down a bit. You know, and I always think of that. I spend day in and day out with people in the bad seed and therapy. I'm certainly you're, you're talking about a bad, bad child. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Bad seed. If I use seed, I mean child. Yep. I do it all day long in therapy for people. I'm certainly going to save it for my wife. You know, if she's stressing out, I'm going to hang in there. You know, I can feel her. She's overwhelmed. What can I do to help? Uh, I'm going to reflectively listen. I'm going to give her that space. 
Um, or the second one is I can agree. Number five, attempting to explain and reacting to sensit- too sensitively is moving into C. And you remember this, Jeff. This is the one you got wrong. Is if you're explaining anything or you're you're looking hurt on your face, then you're taking C space when you're not supposed to. Uh, okay. Jeff, All right. Get to reflectively listen. Okay, so the so th- th- this is interesting. So again, as an adult, you really only have two options. One is to reflectively listen, and the other is to agree to do something that this other person wants. Yep. Right. Okay. So to do anything else, uh, which would be this next rule: attempt to explain yourself or become sensitive yourself. That's taken up child space that yep. you're uh, that you want to really be giving to your partner. Yeah, and we look at it from a little more distance, Jeff. You can see when when this lattice isn't guaranteed, isn't there, there's a hole in the middle of the relationship, you're not going to be there for me. Whereas when you hang in there and you're recognizing the regression in that moment and you're going, I'm there. Come on, talk to me. Tell me what you need. Tell me what you need. Now, after four minutes, if it's getting abusive, you can pull away and go, look, all you're doing is anger. Talk to me when you can deal with this. I don't want yeah. you to get abused. Right. I but like that. I like that four minute rule. Yeah, you can hang in there for four minutes. You can hang in there for four minutes. Uh, and be there. But it, when this lattice is in place, you can see why it stabilizes the highest stages because you know the give and take is really working at a level of receptivity and responsiveness that they can count on. Mm-hmm. So now we can get deeper into shadow and the complexity, and I know you're there for me. So you see how crucial this lattice is? Yeah. Totally. This is the container at the relational stage that you're not going to be able to handle the upper stages and the intensity that comes online, unless uh, this roadway is working real well in the relationship. Yeah. Uh, what number are we up to, by the way? I shouldn't number these. Yeah, you, yeah, the 12 rules. I think we're at six. Avoid regressing into C when you're supposed to be at A during poor quality displays of C. So this is this is the anger. We already talked about it. You got to avoid it. You got to expect it occasionally. You got to be the adult in the room and put your big boy and big girl pants on and hang in there. This is just part of intimacy. The next one, rule seven. When at sea, this one's crucial. When at child, raise only one issue at a time. You only get to raise one issue at a time. Why? Can you feel that one, Jeff? Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it's just uh, a barrage, a a tantrum. Right. It floods the other person with more complexity and more feeling than they can possibly uh, uh, handle at that moment. And people conceptually in their head always want to develop supporting evidence like they're in a courtroom, (laughs) as if that's going to the other person understand what's going on. No. It's going to drag them into C. So you raise one issue at a time because there's some awareness. The other person's hanging on and trying to assimilate what you're saying uh, on this. So that's a pretty important one, huh? I would say so. Yes. Uh, What number are we on? I believe eight. Use prefixes and suffixes when you're mind reading from child. Use prefixes and suffixes when you're mind reading from child. Do you know what mind reading is, Jeff? No. So this is Virginia Satir's term. Hmm. It's telling the other person why they're doing something. From a distance, you're drawing conclusions about the motives, intention, and developmental history about the other person. That can be infuriating because it's a boundary violation. Does that make sense? Totally. 
So the prefixes and the suffix, this is a prefix. You know, I may be out in left field on this one, but my sense is you really don't like to hear problems. Am I right? Am I right is the suffix. What effect does that have on the communication, would you say? Well, it's not, you're not really laying it on me. You're right. su- suggesting, you're, you're, you're floating it. Right. I'm and, saying. And, and asking, does that resonate? Does that make sense? Right. I'm keeping the relational quality going rather than just accusing you of it. Because um, you probably remember in one of the other presentations is distortion rate. How often what you think the motive of your spouse is versus what their motive actually is. In the very best relationships, there's a 50% distortion rate. Everyone else approaches 100% distortion. And it's amazing we even survive given the level of uh, chaos that we have. And of course, it's all projection and not realizing our shadow and but that's where we are. And we're going to have to develop systems to uh, really cope with it. The next one, signal a switch from A to C, from adult to child. For example, are you done? Can I tell you what I felt? So you can see, and we've already said this in dialogue previously, you're really showing your spouse uh, that you want to weigh in but even more so, you're, much, you're very much aware that when they're in child, you're going to honor that position that they're in and that it's safe to give it up at this point. Right. So at, 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 at rule nine here, we're yep. saying that if we want to, we've been in the adult role. Yeah. Now uh, we want to signal that we want to move into the child role and we want to be seen and heard. Absolutely. And you can do it that way. You know, are you done? Can I tell you what I think? You just kind of let them know that I'm switching positions. And as a a lot of couples come in and tell me when I teach them this, he took my C when I was at A and I wasn't ready to give it up. Um, Because it becomes a conscious lattice as you're in the middle of content that's emotionally latent. Um, uh, Is this 10? Rule 10. Control the intensity or stop talking. So if it starts too hot, that's Gottman's work, uh, a hot start, he called it, uh, when he was studying couples, you're not going to recover from a hot start. A hot start can be, you know what? I can't believe you. Uh, It's probably not going to go real well. Right. Um, You really just want to pull away. What? What? And then I call that spat well, the pulling away. Fine, fine. But at least you're not going to C to C and doing a lot of damage at that moment. If it's too hot, uh, get out of it. It's not going to work. The yep. takeoff is going to end up in a crash. Yep. All right. Rule 11, pure child is inherently attractive. It's inherently attractive. Can you feel why? Yeah. Children are attractive. You got a big smile on your face. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're sweet. You want to, you want to love them. You know, you want to nurture them. You want to take care of them. Right. Exactly. It resonates in all of us. When you never call me when you're late, when that gets transmuted into, where were you? You know, I had these horrible fantasies that something happened to you. Immediately, they're going to go, ah, oh, darn, I'm sorry. I should have called you. Yeah. You see how inherently attractive that is? Yeah, it so is. It's like the, the evolutionary seeds are there to develop that circuitry that needs to be there. But for some reason, we're still shying away from that. And you and I talked about that, of getting from stage, the relational to first love is we so much want that intimacy, but we're still turning away. And it's only with the intent that I'm going there uh, and being conscious that these moments arise, that that we get to that first love where you can feel the love and the connection ongoing. You can initiate it with an eye contact. 
you know, it's always there. It's the joy we feel in meditation, the ever-present. Um, but in intimacy, you have to hang on in order to do it. And this is that stage beyond relational uh, that you call first love. First and love. just what's the, just give us the, the two or three sentence description of that. In first love, remember, we're giving up the uh, pre-trans fallacies that the earlier stage is the best thing. And we're living in the abundance of what a person does day in and day out to build your life with you. And it's it's not the 15% wrong that determines the state experience. It's the 85% right. So for Christine, you know, the easy ones for me is when I see her working really hard and getting things done and contributing, dealing with the, the, our children, I mean, I live in gratitude for what she's doing. And, and that's what we do, whether in our individual practices or our in the intimate practices. And you can see it promotes this primordial type soup that just encourages more evolution rather than the criticalness you know, that really is an artifact of the uh, biology going off that is uh, in fear of the danger. Yep. Kind of makes sense? Absolutely. And gratitude is just an amazingly powerful tool, you know, or practice. Yes. And, a and, lot to, of and to be grateful with to about your relationship with each other. Wow. That is so, so powerful. Right. And... You know, you can see how it's easier to do this when the structure of the AC is at the relational level and you're not hitting smack dab into these ugly CC signs. Right. Because a lot of people take three days to recover from that. Exactly. No, if if you get this organized and civilized and, 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 you know, and still have the juiciness of the child and the adult and the wonderful, you know, manifestations of that then you can move on to gratitude. It's sort of natural. It's the next thing you would do. Yeah, I, I, I developed this before my awareness of integral. And you can see when I saw her integral, I finally started figuring out, oh my Lord, that's why I was developing these systems. I was responding to what was emerging, watching the train wreck that couples were showing me. Yeah. And uh, you know, and everyone has these stories in their own application of integral. Of it. it just was an epiphany of the lattice it provides. Yeah. And that's with the, the AC part. So we're almost done. Let's finish this. We are done with it. I didn't realize. We, I think we lost count along the way. Yeah. Well, that uh, the child is, a, a, is a inherently attractive is, I think, rule number 12. Yeah. Yeah. Good one to end on, wasn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so very good. Yeah, I uh, that really helps me to understand the um, power of consciously re-inhabiting these earlier stages and what juice it brings to one's life. And, you know, we can do it on our own in aspects of our life, but what a blessing it is to be able to do it with an intimate partner for those of us who are so blessed to have one who will do it with you. Right. I mean, it's a lot of couples never get the benefit of the postmodern potential of the relationship because, you know, uh, men usually just suck it up and go it alone and kind of die from that pain, not realizing that their spouse was there to carry some of the bandwidth for them. And how it becomes such a win-win interchange to do this. So even the relational stage is, you know, quite an achievement. When you look at all the millennia of how long we've been actually doing this. Yeah. All right, Tom. Well, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate uh, getting this um, exploration through this territory. And, um, And happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. Yeah, to you and Christine and uh, to Chuck and me and to everybody out there. Absolutely. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.